0: fellas, uh, I swear that eventually I will get a mic to uh, clear my voice, maybe not clear my voice, or, uh, or really help uh, get rid of these echoes, or really uh, kind of help focus only on the voice, not the uh, background area. Uh, that is a, a goal in mind to have, uh, in mind to have, but uh, in the meantime, this is, you gotta deal with the cars, what you have, or some other life phrase like that. But again, welcome to, uh, the episode. Uh, this episode is dropped right before or around the time of the Thursday night football game between the, uh, Las Vegas Raiders and the LA Chargers, a team that anyone that lives in LA, in LA, uh, does not care about. Uh, Chargers are just absolute ass this year. As for the Las Vegas Raiders, it is by far an important game, by nevertheless, because they're currently in the ninth seed or the sniffing it category, as the great Rich Eisen uh, has said before, um, in terms of trying to chase after that seventh seed in the uh, playoff positioning in the uh, AFC conference. Or, yeah, AFC. Uh, just that that part of conference right there, uh, so hopefully it's going to be an exciting game. But speaking of games, this one in particular, I wanted to kind of talk about, even though it already occurred this past Monday, Monday the fourteenth. I wanted to share my thoughts on this. So again, that was you can make an argument by far that. I don't know if it was the greatest Monday night football game ever played, but what I can definitely say is that has been arguably uh, the top game, the number one game, the game of the year for 2020. Uh, Although I've also seen how there tends to be trend that anything that is like 35-plus points tends to be game of the year, but there were some defensive plays that were made, some turnovers that were forced, some punts over four. So again, there was some defense involved, especially, you know, forcing sacks. Uh, but it was a high scoring affair. The Ravens beat the Browns forty seven to forty-two. And watching the highlights of that game and then keeping track of that game on the game track is I don't have ESPN. But having watched the highlights, having you know seen the stats and knowing the offensive and defensive, even special team identities of the teams and what they wanted to do and how they're going to uh, compete against each other with the with the game plan that was established. You know overall walked out there or not walked, but after watching the game, I you know felt great about it in terms of the browns being able to compete with a playoff caliber team. I know the Ravens are the 8th seed in the in the playoffs right now, but they're eight and five, and they're still a playoff caliber team. Regardless, it's a winning record; they're by, five, five, above five hundred right now. Um, but I also have some worries, especially for uh, as the twenty twenty season ends and as the postseason comes up, and in the future, what the Cleveland Browns will have to do. I can't name any other defensive player or any defense player on the Browns team uh, that isn't Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and Olivier Vernon. I can't name, and this is coming as a Browns fan, but in terms of you know names on top of my head that I can think of, uh, those are really the three big players on that team. And Denzel Ward is a good corner, but he's not top ten corner. That secondary has definitely not played well throughout the season and it relies heavily on its pass rush, which, again, having a good pass rush does help your secondary or at least gives your secondary an opportunity to to make plays if the quarterback is forced forced to to, to make a quick decision. But you also have to cover, and unfortunately, uh, the Browns cannot cover anyone. Defensively, that secondary is in the middle of the pack. I want to say they're like 25th in yards allowed in the pass in the passing game. And Lamar, despite only throwing like a buck 50 or at least near there or around there, um, was still he made accurate, crisp throws. Not only that, but most of the balls that were caught uh, were uh, they were wide open. They were wide open guys. So the Browns. are going going to need to address their secondary, and it's most likely going to be through the draft. Because, again, there's going to be that salary cap hit uh, for the season due to uh, COVID's impact uh, for the current season. And also the amount of players the Browns front office have decided to pay, but the players that they're paying are mostly on the, if not, Nearly all of them were on the offensive side of the ball. Austin Hooper, Kareem Hunt, um, Jarvis Landry, some big name guys. You also got a couple people on the offensive line, uh, including uh, oh, tell no, Teller's a rookie. Um, I can't think of his name now, but he's a starting center for the Browns. He's also I want to say the president. Uh, or at least holds a high position in the uh, NFLPA. Treader, yeah, Treader's like J.C. Treader. I think it's J.C. Treader, and they paid him money. And you also, you also have to consider the Browns are gonna have to pay Nick Chubb, which he's worthy of a high-paying contract. I know he doesn't catch the ball in of backfield often, but he's a beast of a running back, regardless. Right, you're gonna to have to if you're trying to keep the continuity of that own line. Uh, Jedrick Willis is on the uh, rookie contract right now. When year four, year five is gonna be looking for a long term deal with uh, a higher salary, and they're gonna to have to pay him. He's been a really good pick this year. You know, they're trying to keep Denzel War a defensive ball, a defensive side of the ball. They may have to pay him a lot too to keep him there. And on top of that, that's not even talking about what they're going to do with Odell Beckham Jr. They may have to trade him to at least get more defensive players and more talent on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the secondary, to be able to slow down the passing attack. And then on top of that, you got Donovan peoples Jones, which, if he continues to do well, he may look for a long term deal uh, three to four years down the line. You got Hollywood Higgins. So the Browns again have a lot of weapons offensively, and they need to really prepare their defense or add more talent to the defensive side of the ball. And on top of that, they're gonna have to decide whether they want to pay Baker Mayfield or not. Which Baker had a good game, although he barely completed fifty-five percent of his throws. Right, he was like twenty-nine out of like forty-five or something like that. So he threw the ball a lot, which It's not part of the Browns' offensive identity. They really run the ball and run the ball a shit ton. And yet, in that game, they felt like, hey, we really need to throw here. Which I I get it. They were down by two possessions. Um, And at some point, that Ravens front seven really kind of gave the Browns fits in terms of being able to run the ball successfully. I mean, Nick Chubb had 18 carries. And I would have loved to have Nick Chubb at least get 25 plus, or if you're going to only give Nick Chubb 18 carries, at least get Kareem Hunt, you know, 10 plus carries. Because so Kareem Hunt is a good back. I wouldn't say he's as explosive. He's definitely not as strong. He doesn't carry a lot of a uh, weight needed as a kind of a bell cow power running running back like Nick Chubb is. But regardless, Kareem Hunt is a fantastic running back. But, you know, they decided to call a shit ton of pass plays for Baker. And, again, given what the circumstances was and given that they're down by two possessions, and was able to help the Browns come back and take a lead up at that that point, which was like 35-34. Then Lamar comes in, throws a touchdown, gets a two-point conversion. Baker comes back and ties it up. And then the Ravens got a field goal. And then they forced a safety. and It was 47-42. That's how that that score came to be. Um, but again, I didn't. After watching that game and watching the highlight, watching the highlights and seeing the stats, I don't feel great about giving Baker a shit ton of money. I'm not. I don't. I am not comfortable giving him a Carson Wentz kind of deal because you're seeing what's happening in Philadelphia right now. They're starting Jalen Hurts for a second time this season. Leaving a quarterback that's getting paid $35 million per year on a bench. Last time I checked, no one in the NFL does that where they pay a quarterback $35 million a year to just sit on the bench. Which I wouldn't mind. That's a shit ton of money to earn. But it's also not plenty of time and it's also not a great investment by a franchise. And so I would not pay Baker Mayfield 35 million. I would not give him the Mahomes contract. I would not give him the Deshaun Watson contract. If I, if I was in the Browns front office or had influence or was making that decision, I would, the best I would give Baker is a Kirk Cousins type of deal, right? You know, give him like a four year, $72 million deal, for example. And if he's looking for an extension, if he continues to play well, and it's like year three of his contract, give him an extension. Give him like a two or three year deal, where it's like $40 million. Something along the lines of that. Because if you're trying to franchise tag this dude, that's even more expensive, then that's going to take a hit in your cap salary. And on top of that, if you, once you pay your quarterback, you start to lose talent both on the defensive and offensive side of the ball, because of where you put your money. And usually to rebuild that talent is usually through the draft or some free agent acquisitions that isn't as expensive or at least as affordable when you decide to give a quarterback a shit ton of money because now you expect that quarterback to really carry that team. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing eventually Mahomes is going to have to carry the team with the Chiefs, and not saying that he isn't carrying the team he is, but that Chiefs offense is still loaded with talent. But you you, you start seeing with Aaron Rodgers when he first signed his contract that was worth over or still is worth over $100 million. He signed that contract back in 2017. And then since he signed that in 2017, the Packers had two losing seasons before they hired Matt Lafleur and they started to build through the draft again. And they're now a good team. Jimmy Garoppolo, when he signed that five-year, $125 million contract, they were still, the 49 is still a bad team up until 2019 because they fell through the draft. And, you know, luckily, were uh, had some good players. And when they got their free agent free agent acquisitions, they were not as expensive or did not, they did not take a hit so much into the cap. So that's my biggest worry is you know if you decide to sign Baker Mayfield again, I would give him a Kirk Cousins deal to be able to maintain or at least try to afford the other players, or especially just making sure you keep that offensive line intact and then rebuild through the draft or not rebuild but add, add make some additions to that O line through the draft to keep it young, healthy. Make sure you still have a good investment within the offensive line, and then you know Nick Chubb and still keep Austin Hooper if he's, you know, going to continue to be healthy. And then make sure you keep Jarvis Landry because he's been an effective wide receiver for Bacon Mayfield. And then maybe, maybe give a contract to either Higgins or Donaldson Peoples-Jones, but still save money to add good players to the defensive side of the ball. That's where I, that's after, again, seeing that game, that's my worry is that they're going to – if he, even if Baker continues to do well, I'm not sure that front office is willing to give Baker a $100 million contract. I sure wouldn't. So now the question comes to mind. Do you give Baker $100 million if he does well, if he continues to do well this season, wins a playoff game, and then continues to do well next season? Or do you try to give him that Kirk Cousins money, see if he, if he decides to take it and still try to add talent to the draft or add, you know, free agent acquisitions or add a, or, or re-sign players? Or C, do you let Baker Mayfield go and draft another QB or sign a QB that is like a two-year deal and then still draft a QB? And then on top of that, make sure that the talent that you have offensively, you still maintain that continuity. You still have Higgins. You still have Peoples-Jones three or four years from now. You still have a healthy Nick Chubb three or four years from now. You still have David Nujoku, the backup tight end. Harrison Bryant. Because uh, he's the third-string tight end. And when he plays, he still plays pretty good. So they have a vast amount of weapons. And on top of that, still trying to uh, add good players to the defensive side of the ball. That's that's where my mind comes comes to play, or or where 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 it goes after seeing that game. Again, I would say at this point Baker is good, but given his stats, twenty three touchdowns, eight interceptions, barely under twenty five hundred passing yards. Meanwhile, Deshaun Watson, I want to say has twenty seven touchdowns, has five picks, and is second in passing yards behind Patrick Mahomes, with a little over 3,600 with far less offensive talent. Again, if I haven't said it before, you, you see where I'm getting here. You see my worry is Baker is not as good as the other quarterbacks in the league who have far less talent. So that's where the the Browns front office is going to, including the coaches too, Coach Kevin Stefanski and GM Andrew Berry are going to have to decide what they're going to do at the quarterback position and still try to find talent to add on the defensive side of the ball. And then speaking of talent, just a little quick thought here. Uh, Patriots are 6-7 and seven in the year. They could win out, go 9-7, and seven, but will most likely miss the playoffs. They still have a good defensive unit, a good special teams unit. It's not like the coaches are terrible. I don't think anyone's saying – there's some people that are saying that Bill Belichick is terrible, he should be fired, which I would say to that, you're crazy, don't do that. He's a great coach. He's a Hall of Famer, first-out Hall of Famer, hands down. I know he had Brady for almost 20 years, but, you know, it's not just the players that help win – to help get to the championships, it's also the coaches. It's a mixed thing. It's uh, both parties working together. For a common goal. You can have a great coach, but terrible players, and you can go 9-7. and You can have great players, but terrible coaches, and may have a winning record, but get whipped by actually good, well-coached teams. Much like we saw with the Rams and Patriots from the previous Thursday uh, night matchup. Sean McVay and that coaching staff were great. Bill Belichick and that coaching staff were great. But we saw disparities in talent between these two teams. Obviously, I would say the Patriots' defense is still up to par. They still have some talent, despite losing like eight players to opt-outs. You can make an argument that the Rams' defense is far more talented, which is fair to say, but I'm saying that both units are great. Now, offensively, the Rams are stacked as compared to the Patriots. Which their only reliability offensively, uh, when healthy, It's Julian Edelman, but he's been out for a significant amount of time. And then Damien Harris, the running back for the Patriots. That's it. Their O line ground game, when healthy, Julian Edelman, who's 34 years old. You can't rely on a 5'10, 34 year old wide receiver. And Nikhil Harry is appears to be a bust. And Cam Newton has more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns. Has more interceptions than passing touchdowns. Matter of fact, I want to say he has as many interceptions as he has rushing touchdowns, which is eleven, I think. Which is insane. Given in the state of the league we're in, which is you know pass friendly. So there's gonna need be Bill Belichick is gonna to have to figure out where he's gonna get his new quarterback at because you cannot keep can I even with even if you add more offensive talent with Cam Newton there, Cam Newton is still a significant problem because he can barely throw the ball as it is. His shoulder is shot. He's not the same arm as it was in twenty eleven. It's not the same arm as it was in twenty eighteen. It's not the same arm as it was in twenty seventeen. Again, he is not an accurate passer, and so you're going to have to decide where you're going to find your new quarterback. What's the free agency going to look like in 2021? Could you potentially trade for a quarterback if a team is willing to trade their quarterback for a couple picks and players, right? And on top of that, could you find a quarterback through the draft? Highly unlikely, but could you? That's the question in mind. And then on top of that, where you're going to find talent for the offensive side of the ball, you definitely need receivers, you definitely need tight ends, you definitely need talent at the skill positions to be able to at least have an effective passing game that can complement your running game, which at this point and for future seasons, you can easily make an argument that Patriots are going to be a power running uh, machine that their identity identity offensively is going to be power running football. A lot of gap runs, a lot of 21-22, uh, 12 personnels. You can definitely make that argument. But, you know, we'll have to see. That's a little just – that's a small side note on my thoughts about the state of the Patriots currently. And then that's it about my long – uh uh thoughts about uh baker mayfield and the cleveland browns so i'm excited to see where the season's going to go for the browns hopefully they win this sunday night against the giants to be able to get closer to claim to claim a playoff position and uh you know i do like baker but i definitely would not pay baker 100 million dollars i would definitely not because other quarterbacks. With far less talent, have far better stats. And again, that's not this, I'm not ignoring the team's identities because the Browns are a zone running team and they're going to run the Rock first. That's their priority. And other teams are more of a passing uh, attack, whether it's more of a air raid ideology or, or a West Coast ideology. So, I'm excited to see what the future holds, but I'm excited to see how the finish how the season's going to finish out. And again, if you haven't already, uh, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Grip Talks of All. I released an episode about a week ago, a week ago uh, called "Schematics: uh, West Coast Offensive Terminology Part One," and uh, it's the most views I ever have or ever gotten this far. And I'm looking forward to uh, publish my video. Uh, My next video pretty soon uh, about another uh, offensive terminology uh, uh, that's often used in the NFL, especially in all football, really, in all football. Uh, So thank you all again for listening to this episode, and I'll certainly catch you all soon. And if you can, uh, stay safe and take care of others.